Before we come to the end of our series in um, these later chapters of 1 Corinthians, and uh, the focus, as you know, on bodybuilding. And this evening I'm not going to give a full sermon, as Mark said, it's going to be more of a devotion, uh, but bring together some of the points that we've been looking at over these past uh, few weeks, uh, with particular reference to the theme of encouragement. And uh, there'll be some time to share encouragements, and uh, through that hopefully to build one another up. The key points that have stood out to me as we've been going through this series, and I, um, I've got a lot through it as I've been preparing, um, but some of the things that have stood out to me are, first of all, that as Christians we all belong to the one body of Christ. Uh, we don't have to do anything to be part of that body, but once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, which is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit, he's the one who changes our hearts then automatically we become a part of his body. And we look to those verses from uh, chapter 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. So there's unity, which is a great thing to prize and to, to work hard to maintain. We're united by the fact that we've been saved by Jesus and now follow him as our Lord. But secondly, the body's made up of different parts, and God has arranged those parts in the body just as he has thought fit, a sense of diversity. Um, we had this passage we looked at, um, verse 14, the body is not made of, of one part, but of many God has made us each different. We're each unique. We each bring something to the body. We all have an important part to, to play. And it's not up to us to decide what part we should play. Um, because as it says, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And his plans are perfect. And he's done that so that there should be no division in the body but that its part should have equal concern for each other. And then thirdly, the Spirit has given each one of us a gift to be used in love for the building up of the body. And in chapter 14 that we looked at last week, it said, um, follow the way of of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Try to excel in those that build up the church. These chapters we've been looking at are all about building up the church, hence the title for the series, Body Building, and which is why Paul um, places prophecy above tongues, as we looked at last week, because the one who prophesies edifies the church, builds up the church. And the way he described prophecy, the benefits of prophecy are um, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging, and their comfort. And it's this strengthening, encouraging, and comfort um, in order to build up the church that I want to spend a few minutes on this evening as we finish our series. And to do that, if you've got your Bibles handy, I'd like to turn to the first letter to Thessalonians, uh, chapter 3. The letter starts by praising God for the faith of the Christians in Thessalonica. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy express their, their love for their fellow Christians As it says in chapter 2, verse 8, Because we loved you so much, 
we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There was a real longing on their part to, to see them again. But we're told Satan blocked their way and made that impossible. So instead, they, they sent Timothy. In chapter 3, verse 2, they sent him to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And let's pick it up from verse 6 to 13. Let me read from verse 6 to 13 to see how Timothy got on as they sent him to Thessalonica. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So what do Paul, Silas and Timothy most want to hear? What is the news that would bring them the greatest encouragement? Well, it is that the faith of the Thessalonians is strong that they hadn't strayed, that they hadn't backslidden. And sure enough, verse 6, it says, Timothy has brought good news about your faith and your love. And so it says that we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Isn't that what most want to hear about our fellow Christians? When they move away, either for a time or maybe even permanently, that they're still walking with the Lord? When our students go off to university, what is the the greatest thing we want to hear when we hear from them? That they're walking in their faith. That they've become a part of a church or a a CU where they can grow in their faith, where they've met other Christians who are encouraging and supporting them in their faith. When people move away from from this area, move to a different area, uh, what do we most want to hear? So they found another church, so they've made their spiritual home where they can continue to grow in their faith. Life may be tough, difficult challenges may have come their way, and that grieves us to hear about them. But when we hear that despite all that, they're still trusting in Jesus, that is a great cause for encouragement, isn't it? What strikes me in this passage is the huge sense of relief that Paul and the others feel. Have a look at verse 8. It says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Life's almost been put on hold. We haven't been able to do everything we wanted to do because we were just so concerned about you. And therefore, verse 9, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? 
the encouragement they've heard has been turned into joy, it's been turned into praise. They realize that the only reason the Thessalonians are standing firm in their faith is because of God, because of his grace towards them. This word translated encouragement comes from the Greek word parakaleo, which means to, to call alongside. And there are lots of words in English we have uh, that start with para, aren't there? Uh, parallel, two things following alongside one another, parallel lines. Uh, paramedic, a uh, medic that works alongside others. Uh, Paralympics, Olympics for disabled a- athletes that runs alongside the main Olympic Games. And at the heart of encouragement is a coming alongside someone in their need. Jesus came into this world to come alongside humankind. Throughout his ministry, he came alongside individuals and encouraged them. Often they were the outcasts of society. He came alongside the woman at the well, as we saw this morning. He came alongside the the despised tax collector Zacchaeus. He came alongside the lepers. And when Jesus was preparing to leave his disciples to ascend to heaven, what did he say to them? He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That word translated advocate is paraclete, encourager. That's what it means. The encourager comes alongside his people. The encourager, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And that is why when we ask the Spirit to give us gifts to build up the church, one of the greatest gifts is that of encouragement. That encouragement may come in different forms, as we've been looking at. It may be a word of prophecy, maybe a word of instruction or knowledge, or even healing. But whether the Lord chooses to give us special gifts or not, we're all called to encourage one another. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, we do need to come alongside one another. And unless we do that, uh, we won't know what struggles um, each of us has. But what form does that encouragement then take once we come alongside one another? Because Christian encouragement is quite different from uh, secular encouragement. The encouragement of the world would tend to be something like, well, just be strong. Maybe think positively, think positive thoughts. Maybe just a sense of, you'll get through this, don't worry, it'll be okay. But Christian encouragement is recognizing that actually we are not that strong ourselves, but that doesn't matter because we have someone who is far stronger than us, the one who can give us the strength we need. Jesus said to his disciples, the advocate, the encourager, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit encourages by reminding people of the teaching of Jesus. And so we too can encourage people by pointing them to Jesus, by reminding them of the teaching of Jesus. So where someone is burdened, where they're stressed, where they're they're weighed down, 
we point them to the one who said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Where someone is feeling a sense of guilt or shame, we point to the one who died for us while we were still sinners. Where someone is grieving, we point them to the one who gives us hope beyond death, who said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Where someone is afraid, we point them to the one who takes away our fears, who said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. What are all these encouragements doing? Well, they are helping people trust more in Jesus. And therefore, they are seeking to strengthen the faith of the one who's struggling. And we see that in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. He says there in verse 10, have a look down. Night and day, he says, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. They know that faith is not just about being okay. It's actually about growing and being built up. Each one of us is lacking in some area of our faith. We all need to grow. And if we don't grow, then we will start to, to falter, to, to backslide. Which brings us back to 1 Corinthians 12. Why do we ask for spiritual gifts? To supply to others what is lacking in their faith. As they supply to us what is lacking in our faith. To build up every part of the body, to build up the church. Thing is, it's often difficult to know what is lacking in someone's faith. If we don't know what's lacking in their faith, we can jump to our own conclusions. We can end up being um, critical or even judgmental about someone who's lacking in faith. Rather than having a genuine concern for them and seeking to build them up. Sometimes we don't know what sort of help someone needs because they're quite closed or proud and, and not willing to, to ask for help. As we're hearing this morning, we need to, to be vulnerable and open and honest about our struggles so we can help one another. Sometimes we don't actually know how we're lacking in our faith because we're blind to those areas of, of weakness. And so we need people around us who can tell us. And those people will only know if the Spirit makes it clear to them. I finished last week with some questions for us to to think through and to pray over. Um, hopefully you'll have done this in the, the, the week that's just gone. Uh, but let me bring them up again. In what ways are you seeking to be built up in your faith and seeking to build up others in their faith? And that may be when you come to church on a Sunday. It may be when you go to your small group meeting during the week. Maybe when you come to a church members meeting. But also whenever you meet another Christian, uh, maybe just informally, maybe when you meet up for a meal, how are you seeking to build them up in their faith? And secondly, are you regularly praying that God would give you a word that would strengthen, encourage or comfort someone else in their faith. 
And to add to that, who are you seeking to come alongside? And who are you inviting to come alongside you to support and encourage you? I was just conscious this morning in preaching on uncomfortable relationships, both the kind of encouragement and the challenge to be real with each other. Um, and just as people were sharing, I just felt prompted to share that I'm really encouraged by this church, um, the fact that there are many people who have a real spirit of encouragement in the church. And I don't want to just encourage that because I think it's hugely significant. Uh, there's lots of joys about having a job like I have. Um, and it's a great joy and privilege to get up each morning and serve in the church as a pastor. Um, But it can be incredibly draining as a job too. Um, But my encouragement is that there are a few people in this church who are just wonderful encouragements to me personally, and I'm sure to the other pastors. I think what's most impressive and encouraging to me is not just the words of encouragement that come, um, but also knowing something of where they've come from. And some of the people who are the biggest encouragers are people who've got a lot of their own stuff going on in life, um, but serve out of their pain and encourage out of their pain. And I think that's hugely significant. So I want to encourage us that we don't just have to be encouragers when we've got our life together and everything's all right. Actually, we can encourage people out of our pain. And um, I've received a lot of that from people I know who are hurting themselves. And that's blessed me massively and been a great example to me. Um, so I just want to say thank you to many people in this church who are encouragers. Thanks, Mark. Yes, no, I'd certainly echo that as well. So friends, as we go from here into this week to be an encouragement, let me read some of my favorite words from the Bible, which also, I think Dave's favorite verse is that he'll love these, and I hope that it'll be a blessing to all of us. Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, But let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Father God, may those verses be true in our lives this week, we pray. Amen.